Let's pray. Holy God and merciful God, we thank you for your word. We know that by ourselves, it does not take root unless you give it root. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our very soul to you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are a lot of things on the internet that can be edifying. They really, they can be helpful. There are a lot of things on the internet that uh, show the foolishness of humanity as well. I recall this, there was a picture of a, of a farmer on a tractor plowing his field, right? Getting it ready for planting. And one of the people commented on this picture and chastised the farmer for using so much gas and contributing to global warming. But then, the person wrote this comment, why doesn't he go to the grocery store and get food like everyone else? And you kind of go, oh man, it hurts, right? When people write things like that. And yet, when it comes to spiritual matters, most, most of us aren't that much different. I mean, we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And when people hear that, it's like, oh, I want to go to the store where they sell that and pick some up. Yeah, a little bit of love, some peace. Oh, fill the bag with patience this week, please. Right? I mean, we kind of do that. But just like the farmer has to do all the work, all the preparation before there's fruit or before there's harvest, so it is with the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the end result of living your life in Jesus. See, the, the seed of faith has to be planted. And then it has to be watered by his word. It has to be given light by Christ Jesus, who is the light of the world. And then there's weeding that has to be done so it isn't choked out by the cares of the world. All of this happens, and when you do that, there is the fruit of the Spirit, or there is blessing. See, when you are walking in the Spirit, or you're living your life in Christ Jesus, there is a blessing. Your life will bear blessings or fruit that can only come from Him. And so that's what we have been talking about the past couple of weeks. And last week, we, we began with love, joy, and peace. Now, it's no wonder that Paul started off with love. Because love is the beginning and the end of all things, really. Love comes from God because God is love. I like how one person put it regarding the, the list. He said, love is not merely first among equals in that whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's not merely first among equals, but rather the source and foundation from which all of the other graces flow. God being the source of love, from Him 
and his love, there is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I mean, right without that love, there's nothing. Paul wrote about this to the, to the Corinthians, the, the church in Corinth. And you know this one, but I'm going to read it. He said this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give, a, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. And then there is the most beautiful, poetic, soaring poetry of love in all of literature. It's often used in weddings, but it's not meant just for weddings. Paul writes this, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So as we continue on in the fruit of the Spirit, let us keep our finger on this word love. Because love is first and foremost. Today, we are going to go with patience, kindness, and goodness. Let's talk about patience. Before we even get to the scripture on this, before we even get to the scripture on this, this is probably the one that people want the most, right? You hear that whole list? I want patience, and when do I want it? Now, right? I mean, there's so many jokes about it. How do you measure the length of a second? Do you know that one? It's from the time the light turns green before you honk. And Somebody said, going along with that, that patience is something that you love with a driver behind you, but can't stand with a driver in front of you. Kind of goes along with that, right? And I like, I'm going to paraphrase what one other person said. Before you marry someone, have them sit down at a really slow computer with a really slow internet to see what they're really like. But I mean, all of these, right? They just... They just lay bare our nature, right? Our human nature. But when we talk about patience, it's not about our nature. It's going to be about God's nature. So now let's go to our text. Our text is actually from the Old Testament, and it's from Exodus 34. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. You have simply verse 6 on the screen. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, low to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Now, 
this is a very important section in the Old Testament because God actually says who He is, what He's like, what His nature is like. And what you have on the screen is verse 6. And this one is reiterated several times through the Psalms. It's in Jonah. It's in Joel. So it is an important one. God describes who He is. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now I want us to focus on one of these for today, and that is merciful. To be merciful is to withhold punishment that another deserves. But why would you ever withhold punishment punishment from somebody who deserves it because of compassion. You cannot be merciful without compassion for another. Your compassion tempers and will even override the anger that you have with another. The problem is, here's the problem. We say, yeah, I'll be merciful to those who deserve it. But that's not mercy. Mercy is withholding the punishment for those who do deserve it. Do you get our human nature? Our human nature only wants to be merciful with the people we like. I mean, that's kind of it, isn't it? But to be merciful goes beyond that. And see, at the heart of God's mercy is compassion, It is love. It is the forgiveness of sin. So when we talk about mercy, we must talk about compassion, love, forgiveness. And because God is merciful and gracious, He is also therefore slow to anger. Now, slow to anger is sometimes translated as long-suffering. In essence, God bears He is forbearing, long-suffering, and all of the things that we have done against Him. If God was not merciful, you and I wouldn't be here. Plain and simple. But because He is merciful, because He has compassion, He is slow to anger. So look, if God could be merciful with the Israelites, who are a stiff-necked and rebellious people, are you telling me you can't wait a little longer before honking your horn? If God is so merciful, maybe we can be merciful and long-suffering. You've been at the grocery store, right? It says only 15 items. Have you seen people who count? Oh, you've got 16 there. You can't do that. Really? Is that what you're going to get impatient over? Or kids who ask the same question again and again. Or your spouse who asks the same question again and again. Right? Or somebody on the other side politically or even morally, 
can you be merciful with them as well? You see, if you really want to be gracious, if you want to be merciful, if you want to have that patience, if you want to have patience, be merciful, gracious, and forgiving. Really, you want more patience? Be merciful, gracious, and forgiving. Learn to forgive when somebody else doesn't deserve it. You see, when we forgive like that, we are being most like Christ Jesus. Peter asked him, how much are we to get forgive? Seven times? And by the way, seven was a perfect number. He says, oh, should we get forgive seven times? But what did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. It's a math problem now, right? But Jesus was basically taking a perfect number and making it abounding forever. That's the mercy, that's the forgiveness that God has with you and I. We are to do that. And you know what? When you have that attitude, when you have that mindset of mercy, of compassion, of forgiveness, do you know what you get? Patience. This is the fruit of the Spirit from following Jesus. So there's patience. Now there's also kindness. Kindness is also an attribute of God. It's found throughout the Old Testament. We actually can go back to our reading from Exodus. In Exodus it says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and here it is, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Now, steadfast love is often translated as loving kindness. The actual word is a word that we've covered before at other places, and it's called hesed. That's the Hebrew word, hesed. And it is used throughout Scripture. It's a really important word. And it is translated as kindness or loving kindness. But kindness, when you and I hear kindness, it's not the depth that we're talking about here. So what is to be kind? When somebody comes to the door, you open the door for them, right? That's kindness, and we should do that. But that, that's not the depth of what we're talking about here. It again says loving kindness or mercy or compassion or grace, love and faithfulness. Are you starting to understand, by the way, starting to clue in that all of these fruit of the Spirit are connected? And that's why it's one fruit. And by the way, I love the sound, right? There's, yes, I know mommy, mommy things are kicking in here, but all, and all the ladies are with you, by the way. It's like, oh, mommy. For those who are at home, we have some youth who are uh, expressing themselves. <laughs> Right, And if anybody wants to help Jody in there and has compassion on Jody and wants to help, feel free to do that as well. But this kindness, this love, this fruit of the Spirit, they're all connected together with love, with grace, with mercy, repentance, forgiveness. I mean, all of these, you can't just say, oh, I just want love or I just want kindness. Or They're all connected. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. 
So let's talk more about kindness itself, all right? Kindness comes from God, and it speaks of his relationship, how he interacts with us. And when we actually take time and pause, we're filled with thankfulness and gratitude. This is why it says in the Psalm, Psalm 118, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever, for his hesed endures forever. Let Israel say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his steadfast love endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. Now, if you go to the New Testament, we find out more about his loving kindness. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says, But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I mean, when you take a look at Scripture, you get an idea of His kindness. It is eternal, immeasurable, abounding towards us. And it is the hallmark of His relationship in how He interacts with us. You see, for loving kindness is expressed in how you relate to and interact with one another. Kindness, loving kindness, is expressed in how you relate to and interact with one another. You and I are actually told how we are to interact with each other. It says this in Ephesians, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Colossians, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. So we're actually told, how to relate to one another. And in church, in the building, I mean, you've heard this so much. People are one way in church, but after they leave the door, go right back to the ways of the world. I talked about this before with folks who've been here, that when I was growing up, uh, everybody left really fast to get out the driveway because it was smart parking lot, small exits, and people were like, budging in in front of line. Oh, there's that Christian humility and kindness, right? Or people leave and then they start gossiping right away. And by the way, malicious gossip is the same as murder, where you kill another char- another's character. So we are to act in a certain way. You and I, you and I, we're called to a higher calling, aren't we? We are called to live 
in loving kindness, which is greater than superficial kindness. Open the door. Yeah, continue to open doors for people. But it's more than that. And actually, we are told what that means as well. It means going the extra mile for those who are in need of feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, visiting those who are sick or in prison. We are to be kind even to our enemies, are we not? There's a lot of stories in war, and I've mentioned several of them here, where people stop seeing each other as the enemy, and they give food, they bind up wounds, provide shelter for them, even if they are the enemy. Because we know that they are still in the image of God, no matter how marred. And so Jesus said this. He says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is kindness. So now we go on to goodness. Goodness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And each and every week we always say, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Amen. So if I were to ask you, how would you define good? I mean, what would you say? I'm not looking for responses. We'll do interaction afterwards. But, but you know how, we, we say good all the time, but what is good? What standard do you use for what is good? Or we should say, who is the standard for what is good? And this is why we say it each and every week. God is good. He is the very source of goodness he is morally pure, upright, righteous, and holy. In him there is no evil, there is no darkness. He is the source of all that is right and true. He is perfect goodness. And that's very difficult for us to understand. That God is perfectly good and that he is the standard. You see, there was a ruler who had some difficulty understanding this. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. And a ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. So right there, Jesus is already giving a clue. And then he goes on to delineate how good is God. And he shows the standard by which God says this is good. And he lists some of the Ten Commandments. He said, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your mother and father. And the ruler is pretty full of himself. You think, well, I've done those. He says, all of these I have kept from my youth. Like, whoa, pretty good, right? But Jesus didn't mention all of the Ten Commandments, did he? What's, if you know the story at all or have an inkling, 
What was the commandment that the ruler was not keeping? Coveting. He had a lot of stuff. So Jesus says, said to him, when Jesus heard this, he said, one thing you lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when he, the ruler, heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. So, the Ten Commandments show God's perfect nature. And now, you and I, we know that we can't live up to it, right? We just can't. It is only God who is perfectly good. At the same time, the more we walk in the Spirit, the more we act according to God's standards of goodness, our life starts to reflect that. You know some people who they are walking according to Christ Jesus, according to the Spirit. And there's a certain lightness about them. You know what I mean? There's the, I'm not going to say glow, but there's just a certain thing that's attractive about them. That is because they are walking in the Spirit. And their life reflects that. Their life reflects the light of God. That's, that's wonderful. Oh, it doesn't say that is the fruit of the Spirit, but that is, that's wonderful, isn't it? See, this is what Jesus said. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So let your light shine. And the only way it shines is if you are walking in the Spirit, if you have life in the Spirit. But this virtue, this attitude of goodness is not something just for you. It's meant to be shared with others. When you... when. When the goodness of God fills your cup so much, it overflows to others. Goodness extends to others, and Martin Luther said, God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. So how does goodness show itself as this fruit? Well, it's helping those who are in need. It's maybe driving to the emergency room at midnight with somebody. And I know we've probably all done something close to that. It is praying for someone. It could also be sharing the truth in love. That might not seem as a goodness thing, but it is. To share the truth in love because Paul also wrote that love does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices in the truth. So you might know someone who is doing things that is actually against God's will. And out of love and mercy, grace, compassion, you share gently God's will, the truth. Not in a harsh way, not shoving it down their throats, but sharing as you can what's God's will. 
This also is goodness. You see, goodness is a fruit that is ultimately for the benefit of others. Patience, kindness, and goodness. They come from when you set your mind on the things of the Spirit. From following Jesus, not chasing after the fruit of the Spirit. Follow Jesus, and this fruit of the Spirit will surprise you in lovely ways. And so, for patience, practice mercy and forgiveness. For kindness, examine your relationship not only with those who you love, but your enemies as well. And for goodness, act according to God's standards and let his goodness overflow to your neighbor. And all the people said, amen, amen, amen.